I want to invite you to think about this. What image comes to your mind when you hear the word partnership? Okay? Partnership. What image comes to your mind when you hear that word? One of the things that comes to my mind is this image of a handshake. A partner is someone who shakes hands with you. Have you ever had somebody refuse to shake your hand? That's probably a memory that you will not forget, especially in our West Texas culture, right? Even if we don't like people and they extend the hand, usually we will shake that hand, won't we? Because we don't want to make waves or anything like that. But when someone refuses to shake your hand, there's this moment of of rejection. There's this moment of refusal. uh, There's this awkward moment. On the other end of that spectrum, there's that time where you stick your hand out and you're just kind of going for the good handshake and and they grab that hand as if it's the end of a rope and they just start pulling on that rope and then they bring you in for the full bear hug. The extension of a hand is an offering of something, isn't it? Something like, do you want to be in this together? I acknowledge you as a person. Um, Let's shake on this. Let's make a deal. I'm promising to go down the road and do these things. There's a lot of symbolism and meaning behind the shaking of hands. Partnership, agreement, solidarity, and some endeavor. Last week, Craig talked about redefining the word mission. And often when we think of the word mission, especially in relation to the church, we think of missions, uh, spreading God's word, spreading about who God is around the world, that sort of thing. A lot of times we think of missionaries, which in our mind tends to kind of go to this, these foreign places uh, outside the United States and that sort of a thing. But really, mission is partnership. And God wants to partner with us in mission whoever you are, and wherever you go. But before we can really get to this place that we are partners with God, there are some very honest questions that are rolling around in our hearts that we have to deal with. Here some of those questions are. Number one, do I really believe that God wants to partner with people? I mean, we're selfish We're lazy. We're overachiever. Try to take all the glory for ourselves. Anyone identify with these? Why in the world would God, who can do anything he wants, want to partner with people? I have to be honest with you in all of my theological uh, thoughts. I, I really don't know the answer to that. Other than this, God, for some reason, created us to share in his work. Ever since God created Adam and Eve and said, hey, I want you to keep this garden, God has been trying to partner with people ever since that day. So it's something about how we were made. It's part of what it means to be a human being is to be somebody who shares in the work of God. And that what we do shares in God's will and what God wants to do things in us and through us. Do I believe that God wants to partner with people? Second of all, do I believe that I'm good enough for God to partner with me? That's a real question. Am I good enough? Am I righteous enough? Am I in a place where, where, I mean, why would God even want to partner with little old me? Am I talented enough? That's a real question. And then the third question is, do I want to be a partner with God? Do I even want 
God to extend his hand to me. Last week, Craig said, God, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. Just don't send me to New Mexico. And that's what Craig used to pray until God sent Craig to Farmington, New Mexico for nine years of his life. Be careful what you tell God you don't want to do, my brothers and sisters. Sometimes he calls us to those very places. Surprises us with what's there on the other end. The good news in all this, in all these questions that are not easy to answer, that we must wrestle with, the good news in all this is that you already are partnering with God, whether you realize it or not. You're partnering with Him in your place of work. You're partnering with Him as a member of this community, as a neighbor in your neighborhood. You're partnering with Him. If you're a parent, you are definitely partnering with God. As a person, in some way, you are already His partner. But God may also want to extend the the hand of partnership to you and me in ways that we aren't expecting. Of course, God had a very special partnership with Jesus, didn't he? A work of teaching, a work of healing and casting out demons, a work of restoring people to their state that God created them to be and restoring them to community and society, a work of proclaiming and displaying this kingdom of heaven, this kingdom of God. It was a true and special partnership, a true and special mission like no other. But Jesus was not a robot. Jesus had to, in order for this deal to work, he had to cooperate with the Father. He had to cooperate with the will of God and the grace of God. For 30 years or so, Jesus was really under the radar, pretty quiet, minding his own business, living in Small town, probably taking on the trade of his father, Joseph, and just waiting for the time to come when his father would call him into the work that he was made and sent into the world to do. Well, then one day, this guy by the name of John the Baptizer comes upon the scene, and he appears out in the wilderness by the Jordan River, and he's preaching this message about repenting, and he's baptizing people a baptism of repentance for their sins and people are coming from all over to to repent of their sins to live in this new thing that God is doing through John the Baptist and all of a sudden in the midst of all this craziness comes Jesus coming to John to be baptized this is the beginning really of Jesus going public it's really early on in all the gospels Note that at this point, Jesus has not really done anything extraordinary yet. We have no miracles. Uh, There's no uh, really special ministry that he's done. He simply comes to let something first be done to him. Before he does anything else, he receives first. Of course, at first, John refuses well, Jesus, I don't need to be baptized by you. This is, this is backwards. You, you need to be baptizing me. I'm not worthy to baptize you. And Jesus says something to the effect of, this is the way it's supposed to be. Just trust me on this. 
John says, all right, you're the boss. If you want me to do this, I'll do it. So John consents. And so John takes Jesus down into the Jordan River and he puts him under the water. And as Jesus comes out of the water, we have this amazing moment. This moment where the heavens are open and heaven and earth are together in this moment. A glimpse into the glory of God and the Spirit of God descends upon Jesus and a voice is heard from heaven that says, This is my Son, the Beloved, in whom I am well pleased. That is what God says about Jesus. I believe that this message is not primarily intended for all those people around watching and witnessing. I believe that this message is intended as a personal message from the Father to the Son. That this message is intended for Jesus to fully accept, receive, remember in all His humanity and embrace. This is who you are. My beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. It's possible that other people heard this. In fact, later on in Jesus' ministry, he takes Peter, James, and John up the mountain, and we see this, there's this amazing revelation, and Jesus is talking to Moses and Elijah, and Peter's blabbing about something, and God pretty much just says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then God adds, listen to him. We know in that moment, God's not talking to Jesus, he's talking to Peter, isn't he? But if you back up, the listen to him part isn't in this early version of God speaking. This is my beloved in whom I am well pleased. You know, this is really, I think, one of the main things that every human being needs to hear. We all need to hear, you are my beloved. It's, it's essential to what it means to be a human being. What would it do to us to know and hear that every day from God? This is also really the foundation of all partnership with God. God never calls us. God never sends us without first loving us. God would never ask you to go do anything in order to earn his love. He would never tell you to go anywhere without first saying, you are my beloved. And if we do not believe in the absolute unconditional love of God for us, then we will always have a hesitancy. When God sticks out his hand, we're just not sure if we want to buy in. And we'll hesitate at least in a couple of different directions. We'll do one of two things. One thing we'll do is because we've never fully just let go and accepted God's unconditional love, what we'll do is we'll shake that hand and we'll work real hard to earn his love. And we'll spend the rest of his life trying to be good boys and girls, earning God's love. And it will wear us out. It's like that older son in the story of the prodigal son who at the end of it all says to his father, all these years I've been working like a slave for you. That's what a life looks like when we're just working for God rather than living out of God's love for us. And then there's the other way. If we do not believe in the absolute unconditional love of God, 
we will never really accept that love. We will say, well, I'm not worthy to partner with God. And we might cover that in really pious language. We may say something like, oh, well, I'm just a normal person. I'm just a humble sinner. That's for the pastors. That's for those people over there. I'm just an ordinary person. Now, it sounds all holy and, and humble. What it really is, is an unwillingness to really receive God's love. Because when we know that God love, loves us, we will do His will. That's at least what Jesus said once. So let's be careful that we're not hiding behind false humility in order to resist the partnership of God. Either way, either way, we do not live into the partnership well if we haven't fully accepted and received this love of God for us. And so we must get to that place where we too, like Jesus, can hear God speak to us, to each and every one of you, this is my beloved daughter, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. And it's not because of what you have done, and it's not because of what you haven't done, it's simply because God made you and he loves you. That is the one prerequisite you know, John Wesley wrestled with this for a good while. I mean, he grew up the son of, of a priest. And he still was, on, he was honest with himself. He was honest with his soul. He was honest with God. And he wrestled and wrestled and wrestled until finally he came to this place where it just overwhelmed him that the Spirit of God, he describes it this way, the Spirit of God bore witness with my spirit that I too was a child of God. Comes out of Romans chapter 8. It's beautiful language. Going back to Jesus, we know that he hasn't really done anything to earn God's love. It was before the fame and the miracles and the teachings and the healings, before the difficult task of confronting those who were opposing God's will, before going all the way to the cross, before the resurrection. And yet this right here is one of the most foundational moments of Jesus' life. And this baptism, this baptism of Jesus, it's the ultimate handshake. It's the ultimate stick out the hand, grab it, pull it in, bear hug. That's what this baptism is. Solidarity between Father and and son. And not only is this a God loves me moment, but it's really the beginning of a life of mission. It's the beginning of some new thing. Baptism is a commissioning. Baptism is a co-missioning. On mission with God. It wasn't long after Jesus' baptism that he began his ministry. The Spirit drives him into the wilderness. He resists the voices of the enemy. And then he begins to proclaim the kingdom of God. Likewise, in, after John, John Wesley's full acceptance of God's love for him, within a year, the Methodist revival was out the gate and on the way. You and I are probably here today because of that. And out of your baptism, God has a mission for you. 
And your mission is different than the person on your right and on your left. It is a mission only for you. Some of that mission you already know. Some of it you're already doing. Some of it will be a surprise to you, however. Sometimes partnership with God is simply a faithfulness in the small things. In fact, it's always a faithfulness in the small things. But sometimes partnership with God will stretch us outside of our comfort zone, beyond our previous expectations. Either way, whether it's in the small things or the big unexpected things, the foundational prerequisite for this kind of life is an assurance of your belovedness. And so let me ask you today, brothers and sisters, have you accepted God's love for you? Not because of what you've done, not because of where you were born or how you were brought up, not because of how much money you have or how talented you may or may not be, have you accepted God's unconditional love for you? That love was put on display by God himself through Jesus Christ who gave his life on a cross. Second of all, have you accepted his offer of partnership? He has extended the hand. Are you willing to grab that hand and let him pull you in and embrace you? To say, God, I trust you. I trust that because you love me, you are going to send me where you want to go, and that's the best thing that could happen for my life because that's the best thing that could happen for your kingdom. That your will in my life is actually better than my own will for my life. Are you willing to grab onto that hand of partnership as a response to his love? It's uh, a wonderful God-like coincidence that not only are we baptizing people today, but that in the church calendar, today is Baptism of the Lord Sunday, which is the Sunday that we remember Jesus' own baptism, hence the scripture that we've been given. And for those of us who have entered through the waters of baptism, there are times in our lives where we need to just take a moment and remember our own baptism. Whether you cognitively remember your baptism or not might depend on whether you're baptized as an infant or not, but that is really beside the point. The point here is in our baptisms, we remember God's voice that says, you are my beloved. And so today you'll be invited after we take Holy Communion. There's a small bowl of water on each side. You'll be invited just to dip your hand into that water a little bit, put it on your forehead, and remember your baptism. Let it be one more sign of God's unconditional love for you. And let your participation in it be your willingness to say, God, I'm shaking hands. I want to be your partner. I don't even know what that means, but I just trust in you. Show me the way. Are you willing to let God love you so much so that you will follow him and do his will? We are partners with him on mission with him. Let us pray. Lord, we come before you realizing that sometimes we just want all the warm fuzzies. But we begin to resist your love when it pushes us to new places.
Would you give us a deeper level of trust today? Would you give us a deeper level of faith today? Would you open our ears to hear that voice that comes from heaven? Would you open our eyes to see? Would you open our hearts to receive? Come Holy Spirit. Speak to us today the things that have always been true. In the name of Jesus the Christ we pray. Amen.